Well, welcome everyone. Glad you're here. Hello? I think you're like I am, a little depressed. A little depressed. This election thing is over. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life now. Sarcasm, that's called. You know, the election was Tuesday. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? For those who were for Trump, they are elated. Well, maybe they're at least elated that Clinton wasn't elected. I don't know if they're so elated that Trump was. For those who are for Clinton, they're depressed. They believe the world is coming to an end, it, which it is. Uh, eventually, I just don't know the exact day yet, but uh, it is. I would like to say, however, that uh, I believe that God's mercies are new every single morning. And great is his faithfulness to all of us who believe. And so we, this morning, I, I want to turn our thoughts just for a moment to being a people of gratefulness, having a heart of gratitude. O over the last weeks, we've looked at some of the themes that I believe are important for us as the people of God who live in a nation that's democratic. Um, you know, democracy stinks, uh, honestly. Uh, Winston Churchill, I think it was, said, democracy is a terrible form of government except for all the other forms of government that were created. So uh, it's true. Whenever you get people engaged in anything because of our sin nature, it's problematic. Uh, you understand? Um, e even churches have problems, if you didn't know, and uh, we're redeemed. So it's, it's, it's a challenge across the board. But we've looked at some themes over the past week that ultimately our citizenship is in heaven. That though we are and want to be good citizens of the country and nation that God has planted us in, our ultimate reality is found in Him, not in our identity as Americans. Second, though our country doesn't really believe in our national motto, which is, in God we trust, we're to be a people who, who stand against the prevailing culture when it leads in a direction we shouldn't go, and instead we're to be a, a persevering church. Standing for truth in love. And then lastly, we, we looked at the truth that we each individually can make a difference. Like Daniel in the Old Testament, who was taken off into slavery when his nation was captured. <coughs> Excuse me. Ironically, I think we read that in Kings this week. It was part of our reading in Kings where the nation of Judah finally fell. Uh, after years and years of continual sin, God held on hoping they would return because of David and uh, holding out hope for the people, but they just never did. They got worse and worse and worse all along the line. Finally, the nation falls. They're carried off into captivity, and there Daniel made a huge impact. Though he was a slave, a stranger in a strange land, he made a huge difference. Here's a question I would throw out to you just to, just to think about. We don't really know, but do you think Daniel was grateful for where he was? Do you think Daniel was thankful for what was going on? Let me ask you another question. Do you think you would have ever heard of Daniel if he had not been carried off into captivity, captivity and slavery? Who, who's to know? But would God have given him the dreams and visions? Would he have 
made his heart as sensitive to the Lord? Would he have been as, would he have been Daniel? If the circumstances of his life had not been formatted in such a way as to press him and make him choose. Sometimes the worst thing that can happen to us, by the way, is not having to make a choice. Living in an age or a society where we can kind of flow easily, where we're not pressed to, to choose. I want to talk about the whole position of gratitude, and I'm going to do it over the next two weeks. This is, this is more foundational this morning because I want to lead into some tough things about gratitude next week. But before, I, I, I didn't want to just jump in the deep end. I thought I'd kind of wade us down the road a little bit before we're swimming big time. So let's look at some of the truths about gratefulness and gratitude this morning. It says in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and what? Thankful. We're going to look at this this morning, but we want to be a praying, watchful, thankful people. We want to have a passion for prayer. We want to be watchful or diligent. But the key to both of these things, being watchful and prayerful, is the attitude of thankfulness. Here's what I, we're going to get to this, but this is key. Most of us think we pray in order to get thankful. You know what I mean? Are you with me? We start praying so that we can build up gratitude. Paul is going to say, thankfulness is the platform from which we pray. Thankfulness is the attitude that prevails in our hearts that allows us to be watchful. There's a poem called Unusual Thankfulness, and it says, I am thankful for, and it gives a series of things that we're thankful for that we would probably not ordinarily be thankful for. For instance, I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I am employed. I'm thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have more than enough to eat. Can I get an amen as we head into Thanksgiving and Christmas? I need a, I'm thankful for a lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. Uh, the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. I'm thankful for my huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. All the complaining I hear about our government, which we heard a lot this week, because it means we have freedom of speech. I'm thankful for the person behind me in church who sings off key because it means I can hear. The piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby. Moms, amen? Yeah, it'll come a day. The alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means I'm still alive. Hallelujah, that means more to me each and every day. There are unusual things to be thankful for, but isn't it what we as Christians should be known for? As being a thankful people? rather than a complaining, embittered, judgmental people? Robert Louis Stevenson once said, the man who has forgotten to be thankful has fallen asleep in life. I did a whole series years ago called The Wake-Up Call. I don't know if you remember it, but really, I, I think there's a 
part of this that the church needs to wake up to its position of gratitude and thankfulness? How do we walk in a continual position of gratefulness? That's what I want to look at today. And next week, I want to flip it just a little bit to talk about what happens if we're not grateful. To look at the other side of the coin, so to speak, to say what is the position of those who are ungrateful? And I, I wrote the outline, and then I've been repenting all week. So I've already written the outline for a lot next week uh, on what does it look like to be ungrateful. And basically, I just looked in the mirror. It's so easy to get ungrateful. I mean, it is so easy to become discontent in everything. First, gratitude begins with a proper perspective. A proper perspective, a proper view of life, which is this. Do not be anxious about anything. I could probably stop there and we could just all repent for a little while. We've been anxious this week. We've been anxious in our lives. We're anxious about our children. We're anxious about our jobs. We're anxious about our finances. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Again, there's that position of thankfulness. Present your request to God. Your prayer life begins with a position of gratitude. Being a prayerful person doesn't begin with petition, meaning I come to God and I ask. But it really, the dynamic prayer life, if you really look at it in the Scripture, begins from the platform of thankfulness. We ask, but it's because we're thankful, not just because we want. Thankfulness is the essential position that allows us to make all of these requests before God. Without thankfulness, we're in an improper position. We may think that kneeling is the proper position for prayer, but really, I believe, as the Scripture says over and over, that if we're going to be a praying people that are effective, the proper position is to be a thankful people. That's why Paul can say it also in Philippians, just a couple of verses later, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Read between the lines a little bit. What is Paul saying? I, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I'm rejoicing that at least now you've renewed your interest in me. <laughs> there, there was a period there was none. And rather than harp on them about where they had been, he's, being, he's rejoicing. And that they're going to get an opportunity to show it because he's saying, I'm saying this because not because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Do you remember Paul's circumstances when he's writing the letter of Philippians? He is in chains. He's in prison. Something we are unaccustomed to. I mean, <clears throat> many of us, we are unbelievably comfortable in our homes. We're unbelievably comfortable in the food that we eat, in our relationships. But we can find stuff to gripe about. I mean, really, it does not take long for us to go from being grateful to griping. Why? Because there's something in us always that wants more. And I, I want to say this. If, when you gripe, you can't be grateful. 
at the same time. In other words, if I'm looking at the lack of something, then I am very seldom thankful for what I have. Let me bring it home just for a minute. If I am always or consistently looking at my wife for what she doesn't provide for me, then I am very seldom grateful for what she does. Many of us have reached that relate point of relationship with our spouse or somebody in our lives where we, we can never fully appreciate and benefit from who they are because all we see in them is what we believe they lack. We need to be thankful. And it begins with a proper perspective. What is that perspective? Here's the perspective. You don't deserve Jack. I mean, really, you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve what you think you deserve. From God's perspective, what we deserve is death and eternal condemnation because we are sinners. And sin separates us from him. Listen, I am so grateful I've got to be grateful because I don't deserve where I am. It's all by the grace, all by the mercy of God. Now, that position of gratefulness should extend out to others. Nobody deserves anything really good. Instead, we're going to just, in gratefulness, extend love and mercy out. There's a story about a region in Mexico that has hot springs and cold springs that are right next to each other. And... Because of the convenience of this natural phenomena, women would bring their clothes down to the springs to wash in the hot, rinse in the cool, and then lay the clothes out on the rocks. One day a tourist was there with a guide and says to him, wow, these women must be so grateful for what God has provided in the hot springs and the cold springs to do their clothes. And, and the guide says to him, uh, no, senor. They gripe because he does not give them soap. That's the way we are. We are, we, we, instead of being grateful for what God has given for where we stand, we find something to be unhappy about it. And Isaiah says, even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. I could say America, the Brookins family, narrow it down to your own name. Many times we don't recognize God's care in our lives, and it leads us to, to have a position of ungratefulness. A proper perspective of who we are in Jesus and what he's done for us will lead us to have a consistent attitude of gratefulness. There's an old Estonian proverb that says, he who does not thank for little will not thank for much. So, it begins with the proper perspective. Let me just say this too. If you're ungrateful, the reverse of this statement is true. If you're consistently ungrateful, then you have an improper perspective. You need to ask God to help you change your view. I'm not trying to beat you up. As I said, I've been, the more I've looked at this this week, the more I've uh, struggled with where I am. 
Because over a long period of time, we start to feel entitled. And there's no more entitled people on the earth, I think, than Americans. And probably no more entitled people in America than church people. You can think about that later. You may not agree with me, but that's all right. Uh, second point, gratitude continues with action. It's, a, it's an active verb. Gratitude is not just this attitude that I keep in my head. It's got to be transferred into some sort of movement. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. By giving thanks in all circumstances, he's saying this is an active thank you, God, in all circumstances. I mean, finish these sayings, just these thoughts. Uh, peanut butter and uh, salt and bread and shoes and please and you say that to your kids. Somebody, you say please, thank you. Please, thank you. Thanks, not expressed. Is it really thanks? Thank you. It leads to an action. We have all sorts of things that get in the way of our attitude of gratitude, so to speak. Our actions of gratitude. For instance, it's hard to be really angry and thankful because anger leads to an action of its own rage bitterness strife they lead to an activity whether it's with our words or with our at what, what we do there's something we do as a result of those things within us thankfulness should be leading to actions of gratitude there's a scene in the movie Forrest Gump where He's come back home, and he's grown up, and Jenny's grown up, and they go back to visit her house where she grew up in. Um, and uh, when she was, you know, Forrest, he, he's, he's a simple man. He doesn't really know all that took place in Jenny's house. You as a viewer kind of get the idea she was sexually and physically abused by her alcoholic father and the house is empty and they're walking along a road and they come to a place where she sees her old home
Sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. That's one of my favorite lines in that whole movie. I guess sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. When it comes to bitterness, angerness, unforgiveness, let me just say there are not enough rocks for you to vent them. There's only one place to go, and that's to the foot of the cross, where Christ paid the price for every single sin, where you can now walk in the forgiveness, where you can get rid of the junk, the offense, the anger, the bitterness. How, how, how in the world can Paul say this? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice? Don't you want to say to Paul, you have no idea what's been done to me? goes on and says not only get rid of those things but be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other how just as in Christ God forgave you you see the only way to get rid of and get on is to realize what Christ has done in you if you try to vent it if you try to medicate it if you try to go about it in any other action it will not be satisfied because there just aren't enough rocks or drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever to satisfy that hole in your heart. But when you realize what Christ has done for you, you can't help but be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. I mean, we don't realize. <coughs> I remember when uh, my kids were little, and I would take them to McDonald's. It was always when Kathy wasn't with me uh, that I would take them to McDonald's. Cause no way she's letting us, she's not going to McDonald's. So I'd take the kids to McDonald's. I'd buy them fries, you know, a burger. And I usually wouldn't buy myself fries because I figured they wouldn't eat all their fries. So I reach over, I remember, to pick up a fry, and one of my kids says, hey, don't take my fries. And, you know, I wanted to slap the little kid and say, who bought you these fries? You got nothing but what I give you. Right? That's the way we are with God. Hey, 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 don't take my. But if indeed every good and perfect gift comes from above, if he is the owner of everything, then we appear like little children saying, hey, don't take my fries. It's an action. It's an action. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Do it. Courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Give thanks in all circumstances. Contrast two couples. One who is dissatisfied, saying, hey, he doesn't meet my needs. I think I'll find someone else with someone who is grateful, who says, ah, you know, he's not perfect. But I'm so grateful for the gift of life that we have together. It changes your whole perspective. And it results from a position of gratitude, a thankfulness that translates into some sort of action. Ungratefulness, as we're going to look at next week a little bit, ungratefulness uh, translates into comparisons, to wrong expectations, 
to, the, uh, to this we deserve, I'm entitled to position. By the way, I, I contend that an ingrate, an ungrateful person is one of the universe's most unattractive creatures. Jesus, when he got the five loaves and two fishes, what is the very first thing he did? He gave thanks. He gave thanks. He could have been like his disciples and said, eh, there's five loaves and two fishes. That ain't enough to feed these thousands. That's where we stand most of the time. Saying, ah, you know, God gave me this a little bit, but it ain't near enough. Instead, he gave thanks, and in the thankful, he started to break it, and that's when the, I believe the miracle occurs. In the thanksgiving, the breaking, the giving of what God has given. Now, I don't know that for sure. Some people argue, where was it when the disciples started to give it out? Or I don't know, but there's something in the gratefulness that's key to unlocking what God had for that whole multitude of people. You ever thought that maybe the miracle that you've been looking for in your life hasn't occurred because you've not started in a position of gratitude? Because usually when we're asking for a miracle, we're saying, God, if you don't come through, I need you. I lack this. Rather than saying, God, thank you for the little you've provided. I'm going to break it and use it for your kingdom's sake. Hebrews 13. Am I still just on the second point? Isn't this good stuff, though? <laughs> Some of you are starting to sweat a little bit. Though. Hebrews 13 says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Continually. Offer what? Offer what? We take that word sacrifice so meaninglessly, Really? Sacrifice means it costs you something. If you're going to sacrifice it, it means it's costing you something. This, this continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. When you got up and came to worship this morning, did it really cost you much? I, you know, in the American church, it's just, we're so fine with things, that I, I think we lose the sacrificial aspect of worship, the sacrifice of praise, which means what? I'm going to give myself to worship today. I'm going to give myself. You see, gratitude culminates in worship. <coughs> Excuse me. Gratitude culminates in worship. David, in one of... Uh, Old Testament stories we read, he, he, uh, he goes to get the, uh, I always get the stories confused, but hang with me for a second. He does something he shouldn't have done, and a plague breaks out. And then he pleads with God, stop it, stop. God was killing people uh, because of the result of David's disobedience. And the, and the plague stops at a certain point. And David goes out to offer God a sacrifice. And he goes to this guy, and he says, hey, I want to offer a sacrifice right here. 
And so I want to buy the land from you to offer the sacrifice and to build an altar to the Lord. And the guy says, hey, you're the king. I'll just give it to you. Just take it. Now, the guy obviously, David was obviously a king and not a Baptist preacher because he said, no, I'm going to pay for it. <laughs> so that's a joke. Um, he, says, he says to him, he's, <laughs> he says to him, no, I am not going to offer God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. Nothing. You see, gratefulness results in us continually offering up a sacrifice of praise, which is our reasonable act of worship. To offer myself as a living sacrifice before him. Therefore, verse. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God, how? Acceptably, which insinuates there's an unacceptable way, with reverence and all. Thanks, Mitch. I'm going to keep being grateful this morning. Thankful. I want to... It is good because... I am so pitiful at this. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I think it's part of our societal stuff that we pick up all the time. And maybe it's just part of the sin nature of every society. That rather than praising God, thanking God, offering a sacrifice for what we have, we are continually focused on what we don't have. And as a result, that myopia causes us to be ungrateful and therefore our worship is warped I mean think of all the dominoes that fall if we're an ungrateful people all the things that happen that shouldn't happen be grateful in all circumstances be thankful in everything there's a Scottish minister named Alexander White who was known for his uplifting prayers, and he would always begin his prayers by being thankful about something specific that was occurring around him, and his congregation knew it, knew it, his deacons knew it. He was very specific in his thankfulness. So one day they came to church, and it was just raining horribly. The weather was awful. It was, it was a, a miserable, cold, damp Scottish day and his deacons a couple of them said let's see what he finds to be thankful about today Reverend White got up and said we thank thee O God that it is not always like this we need to be grateful James 1 16 says do not be led misled my dear brothers and sisters whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens he never changes or casts a shifting shadow never too often as the author of Hebrews says we look at the shadows we worship the shadows we follow the shadows but instead God calls us to worship the substance, the reality of Jesus Christ. And 
cause us to be thankful because people we have a savior there's a story that's true that happened uh, during world war ii where a 15-year-old boy and a group of French villagers is hauled out before a firing squad of, uh, of Germans. Uh, they had been hiding some of the French resistance in their town, so they pulled out just all the males uh, that were left in this little village that lived there, and they were going to kill them all. They're lined up before a, a firing squad, and this 15-year-old boy, you know, the thoughts going through his head or... I didn't really do anything. And he's thinking about what it used to be like before the war came, and then he started thinking about what it was going to be like when bullets riddled his body. He finally just resigned himself to death, hoping that the people around him didn't hear like the whimpering in his breath. About the time they were going to fire, suddenly mortar shells started exploding around the Germans, and uh, it turns out that the French resistance had, one of the leaders had gone out and found an American uh, tank troop who was now coming in, and the German attention left the firing squad to turn to the Americans. They were led by a GI named Bob Hamsley, who was a corporal in Patton's Third Army. By the end of the battle, after about three hours, 50 Germans were dead, and another 50 were taken prisoner, and the people who were facing the firing squad survived. In 1990, this tiny town in France honored Bob Hamsley on the very spot where dozens of the town's citizens would have died if not for him. And the man who initiated the search was the mayor of that town, who was the 15-year-old boy who was saved as a result of... And, and what he said was... They asked him about it, why he was so determined to find the man who had led the squad, and he said something to the effect, it's hard to forget your Savior. It's hard to forget your Savior. It should be hard to forget your Savior. We need to be grateful. I mean, we give a whole holiday to this thing. Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving isn't celebrated worldwide like we do it. But it shouldn't just be a holiday for us. It should be a constant attitude and position that we live our lives from being a grateful people. <clears throat> I, I'm going to talk about this again next week, so I'm Try not to preach next week's sermon along with this one. But this will radically change your relationships if you'll start from a position of gratefulness rather than ungratefulness. It'll, it'll change the dynamic of your relationship with God. It'll change how you worship. It'll change how you pray. You see, we think of thankfulness just as an offshoot of stuff, but really... Thankfulness is a platform from which everything else seems to be built. And one of the reasons we're ungrateful is because we have so stinking much. It's 
Steve Brown, in a book called Jumping Hurdles, Hitting Glitches, Overcoming Setbacks, says this, the most unhappy person in the world is not someone who didn't get what he or she wanted. The most unhappy person is the one who got what he or she wanted and then found out that it wasn't as wonderful as expected. The secret of a happy life is not to get what you want, but to live with what you've got. Thank you, Jonathan. Most of most of us spend our lives concentrating on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. Then we wake up, our life is over, and we missed the beauty of the present. Gratitude, it begins with the proper perspective. Be thankful when? Always. Always. It continues with action. It's more than just a feeling. Are you singing a song for me? It's more than just a feeling. It's got to be translated into action. And it culminates in true worship. Devote yourselves, then, to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Because from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning. I thank you for this people. I thank you for this place. I thank you for what you, you've done in our hearts. I thank you for the redemption that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I want to increase in my gratitude and my thankfulness. Lord, forgive at times my cynicism. Forgive my ungratefulness. Forgive um, the decrepit things in me that always want more. Lord, for us as a people, I pray that Rather than being const constantly looking around and seeing our lack, that we will start to be grateful for what you've blessed us with. Because you've given us one blessing after another. Lord, may we be grateful for the husband or wife or children that you gave us. May we be thankful for the neighbors that live on either side. May we be thankful and grateful for the time and place in which you've allowed us to live. Lord, I pray that as we grow in gratefulness, that, God, you would expand our sphere of influence. You'd expand our prayer life. That the miracles that you want to release in this place wouldn't be hindered because of our ungratefulness. Lord, we thank you and bless you. Ministry teams, if you would come to the front. You may be here today and you still have something that you need prayer for, something you need prayer about. You know, it, it's still fine to say, God, thank you for all that you're doing. Please give me wisdom. Please relieve this pain. Please give me a grace for the morrow, grace for today. And so what we want to do is just provide an opportunity. Maybe you need to come to someone and say, you know what? I just need to ask for forgiveness for my ungratefulness. 
just confess, confess your sins one to another. You know, the Bible talks about that. Um, being that kind of person. It's fine. These people will not condemn you if you come forward and say, I need forgiveness. There's power released in that verbal confession. So just be thankful. Receive prayer. Mitch is going to lead us. Let's stand. If you need prayer about anything in your life, come and receive from one of these teams. As you're standing, I want to invite us to sing this song. This is a little bit off the, off the schedule here, but just want to invite us to just engage the Lord and sing this little song. If you're not coming down for prayer, if you're at your seat, but let's just, if you will, all over this place, let's just stand up and sing this, sing, this little chorus to the Lord. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you've promised and all that you are. It's all that has carried me through. So Jesus, I thank you. Sing it again. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do, all that you've promised. For all that you've promised and all that you are. It's all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you.